Hi, my name is Mike Dillard, and this is Self Made Man, the podcast for those who want to leave their mark on the world and create a legacy of honor, integrity, and achievement in every aspect of your life. I'm glad you're here, and once again, it is time to forge your destiny. Welcome back. Two weeks ago, we dove into the topic of marketing and branding on YouTube for the first time with Dan Locke. Well, today we're back for part two with another entrepreneur who's doing amazing stuff on YouTube, Stefan James. Over the past five years, Stefan's built his channel up to over 600,000 subscribers, and the results that that investment has produced for his business has been life-changing. In fact, he gets over 1,000 to 2,000 new email subscribers every single day for free just from that traffic produced by his videos. So today we're going to dive into the details. How does he create them? What equipment does he use? Who does the editing? What does he do to prepare for each video? How does he optimize the headline to get the most amount of search traffic? And how does he turn those viewers into paying customers? Today's episode is packed with incredibly valuable insights and resources that will bring you up to speed on what you need to do to start building your YouTube channel today. With that being said, if you're not a member of selfmademan.com yet, you are missing out, my friend. We just launched the private Facebook group community for members where myself and all of our podcast experts are jumping into the group live to answer your biggest questions. This is in addition to all of the incredible classes you have access to right now the moment that you become a member. So head to selfmademan.com today and join us. Well, Stephen James, welcome to Self Made Man. It is a real pleasure to have you here today. I've been looking at your work a lot over the last, yeah, I'd say, twelve to eighteen months, and I really appreciate your, what you're putting out there in the world. and And uh, I'm really glad to have you on the show today. Thank you, my pleasure. Happy to be here. Absolutely. So, for folks who are not familiar with your story, you've built up quite a business as an online entrepreneur. You've, I think, you've been around in this world for a good eight to 10 years. Can you bring all of us up to speed on how you got here? Yeah, sure. It's been a, a long journey. I, I mean, I started my journey, I'd say, when I was 17 years old, more so with personal development. Um, I was very shy. I had a lot of challenges in my life at that at that age. And I discovered Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy and the different self-help teachers out there. And uh, it really made an impact in my life and made me believe that I could create whatever kind of life that I wanted to. I could change myself. I could change my beliefs, my mindset. I could set goals and actually achieve them. And um, when I was uh, about 21 years old, I started my first business, which was a local business in Vancouver, Canada, which is where I'm from. And it was actually a dating coaching business because I I had a, a pretty profound transformation in my life and I wanted to share that with other men so that they could improve their confidence, their social skills, and I could share a lot of the things that I learned along the way. Who was your real quick? Who was your big, your big teacher or or person of epiphany, if you will, that sent you down that road? In terms of the dating, the confidence, the social skills, I would say was David D'Angelo, which most people might know as Evan Pagan, who's a a popular online entrepreneur. That was the same with me. (laughs) Oh, cool! Yeah, I read this book called Double Your Dating, and I read it about seven or eight times, and you know, it taught me that it's a learnable skill. There's some people that are more natural. Uh, naturally confident and funny and, you know, have these uh, skills to be able to have charisma and attract the opposite sex. But I didn't have any of that. So I had to learn it. I had to cultivate it. And I had to go through the process of that. So I did that for a few years and I was able to help people in uh, Vancouver, Canada. But I didn't really make much money as an entrepreneur. 
at that stage. I had a, a passion to help people, but I didn't know marketing. I didn't know business. I eventually kind of realized and learned that you could sell ebooks online and that'd be a way that I could reach more people. And I spent a year writing an ebook, uh, being a perfectionist with it. And I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't do much research and whatnot before launching it. And sure enough, when I did, I didn't make much money from it. So it was, uh, I, I went through maybe a few years, I'd say, once I discovered that you could um, build an online business. And I think for me that the concept of that came from Tim Ferriss in the book, The 4-Hour Workweek. You know, that just kind of shifted my paradigm because before then I thought that you had to go to school, get an education, you know, you work for 40 years or so, then you retire and then you're, you know, then you get to enjoy your life. So that really shifted things for me, the realization that I could, I could build a business, I could make passive income, I could reach more people. And so once I discovered that, I just obsessed myself with trying to figure out how I could make this work. And for the first few years when I tried, I was kind of dabbling with this idea of building an online business and trying to learn from blog posts and message boards and trying to put everything together. Did not make much money during that time, maybe a little bit here and there. Uh, sometimes I made some money, but it didn't last. It wasn't sustainable. And it wasn't until um, I, I eventually, you know, was continuing to do a lot of self-development and work on myself. And I started actually, uh, I discovered how to do affiliate marketing and creating these little blogs and websites that I can rank in the search engines and I could attract people and I could do affiliate marketing that way. I used to promote Vitamix blenders and Blendtec blenders and Fitbit and a variety of things like that. But you know, sure enough, that didn't last either because uh, I wasn't, I was, I think I was just very much in this mindset of just trying to get rich quick, taking the path of least resistance, not actually building something that was sustainable as a business. But I'd say uh, I, I eventually, you know, uh, went through a variety of different ways of making money. Eventually, had a big break, had a lot of success with publishing books on Amazon, and built a, a publishing company where I would publish on Kindle, paperback books, audio books. Had a lot of success with that. I was 24 years old, became financially free. You know, it was great. I kind of lived the four-hour work week for a while, which is something that I thought that I wanted. But I came to the realization where I, I wasn't really happy. I wasn't really fulfilled by what I was doing. I just felt like there was something more for me. I needed a mission. I needed a purpose in my life. And so when I was 25 years old, which is about seven years ago now, um, I started Project Life Mastery. And I started uh, this brand and this business because not really because I wanted to make money, but because I just wanted to share things that I learned. I found that my nature was coaching people, helping people wanting to improve and master every aspect of my life and share that with people. I started off as a YouTube channel and a blog. It's now grown to a podcast as well. And I was able to attract a great audience and I've continued to put out videos and build that brand over the last seven years now. Today, my YouTube channel has about 600,000 subscribers, uh, reach uh, 1.1 to 1.4 million views per month, and hundreds of thousands of more people on my blog and podcast. You know, from there, a lot of my audience wanted to know how I was building my business and how I was making money online. So I started sharing that with them as well and providing different courses and trainings from that. And yeah, here I am today. So it's been a, an amazing journey. I've learned and grown a lot. You know, I feel like now it's, you know, when you're living your purpose and your mission, it doesn't feel like work. And I think that's the ultimate goal that everybody should try to aim to get to where um, you love what you're doing so much. The money will, will follow and flow from that as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's surprising how similar our stories are. Oh, cool. Do you know your Myers-Briggs? Uh, I don't offhand, no. Okay. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we had the same one. Um, very, very similar story. And gosh, I don't know, talent in life or direction, but 
yeah, you, it's almost like I'm the United States version of you uh, in many ways. <laughs> so, um, so I wanted to really focus today on the YouTube side of your business because that's a rabbit hole I've been looking into for a couple of weeks now. I've had a lot of really big conversations with colleagues and peers and friends who are in that world. You know, talked to my buddy Dan Locke a couple of weeks ago about his channel and how he's growing it. And a couple of people who are producers for other YouTubers out there who have really large channels. And I'm trying to get a really good idea of what the return on investment looks like to build a YouTube channel. Because from what I've seen and learned, it takes a, a really big effort on a regular basis, almost daily. Uh, from a video production standpoint, let's say over the course of one to three years to really build up a sizable channel of, let's say, at least 250,000 subscribers to you know what you've got right now at around 600,000. And if you could fill us in on the actual return on that for you, besides the fact that you're helping people and it feels good and it's aligned with your purpose in life, as an entrepreneur and a business owner, what can you what can you bring us up to speed on as far as the you know what the experience has been like? Yeah, you know, as a, a an influencer and a brand, I I market it uh, I market in pretty much every way you can think of. You know, Facebook, Instagram, all social media, blogging, uh, SEO, podcasting, YouTube, uh, PPC. So I pretty much do it all. But I would say that the the most powerful marketing strategy and platform that we use is YouTube. And I look at, number one, the trends of the internet, how, how it's changed a lot since the days, uh, I'm sure since you and I got started, where you know, before there was you know, uh, long-form sales letters and it was more email marketing focus and you know, there wasn't Instagram or YouTube. It wasn't as much video content. And I look at the trend of the internet and how much video is really taking over the internet. It's, I think it's the most powerful medium out there. And I think that way for a few different reasons. I think you know, I do a podcast as well, but I personally find that YouTube is significantly more powerful than a podcast because when someone's sitting in front of the computer or their phone and they're watching you, there's a different level of connection and bond that I feel that people people get when they're looking into your eyes. They're seeing your facial expressions. They're seeing your body language and the tone of voice, and they're not distracted. And oftentimes, I think when people are on a podcast, for example, they might be driving in their car, they might be uh, at the gym, they might be doing something else and consuming information, which is a fantastic way of doing it as well. But also, I think there's also a very powerful viral effect that can happen on YouTube that is unlike anything else that I've seen from uh, compared to like SEO, for example, like ranking in Google is a very slow process. I'd say that's way more tedious and long term than building up a YouTube channel because, you know, Google doesn't really change the rankings uh, that drastically. There's not a viral effect from that. Versus YouTube, if you trigger their algorithm and you, you know, have a great watch time and certain factors, which we can talk about in this video or in this podcast, certain factors like that that you can trigger, YouTube will do a lot of promotion for you. They can really blow up your your channel, your videos. They can you know put it on their homepage. They can recommend it next to other videos. So there's a very powerful effect um, like that which can occur. Also, the fact that you can have uh, you know specific call to actions in your video where you can, you know, link people or direct them to click a link and go direct to your offer, your sales page or product or service, whatever that might be. I had a YouTube video, my most popular one to date that got 
as of today, 4.1 million views. Mm-hmm. And that one video, I kid you not, it's probably made me over a million dollars. Wow. Um, it's made me, just in terms of the monetization of it, just from YouTube, I don't really make that much from that aspect, but that one video alone, I think, has made almost $100,000 just from the ads that YouTube displays on it. But the, the back end of where I funneled people from that video, um, how many people, you know, follow me on Instagram because of that or share these long written stories and emails that they send me. And even, you know, people, I travel all over the world and people stop me everywhere that I go. And it's often because of that video. Mm. So it's it, that, that effect, that, that, that powerful effect that you get, you don't really get it from a podcast because people aren't going to recognize you. It's not going to make you as famous or popular in that way, I think. But you know that, that the way that I monetized that was the back end. I funneled people into an email list. I promoted a uh, a great product as an affiliate, which has done really well. And, and just the the connection, the bond, the trust, the goodwill, everything that was established from that video uh, has been pretty powerful. So I don't think it has to be a huge commitment. Like I actually, I, I wouldn't say that I spend that much time on my YouTube channel. Um, I have a lot of other things going on versus. I know a lot of a lot of YouTubers. That's all they do. They just do YouTube videos. But I'm actually running a business with all these different pillars and aspects to it. I try to put up right now three videos a week. There were times where I put out five videos in a week, and sometimes every day. But I, I don't think it has to be that time consuming necessarily. I mean, you do have to be committed to it at the beginning. It, it is slow, just like anything else, where you're putting out content and nobody cares. You're not getting any views, and you just have to trust the process and keep being consistent with that to get rewarded from it. But you know, the payoff is beyond anything I could ever imagine. And it's all free traffic for the most part that I'm getting, not paying for it. I'm, you know, YouTube's a search engine. I'm ranking my videos there. Um, so I, I think it's powerful. So (laughs) as you can tell, I believe in it a lot. You know, one of, one of the strategies that I'm thinking about along the same lines is that any of the videos we put out, you want to have obviously a really strong call to action you know, potentially and most likely towards a capture page of some kind so that you can then transfer those people onto your email list and and communicate with them in that regard. About how many opt-ins do you get, you know, on a daily basis, do you think, from YouTube? Uh, over a thousand, I'd wow. say. That, um, okay, that's significant. That's that's very yeah. that's a lot more than um than some other individuals I've talked to, but I don't think that they're very effective or consistent when it comes to really strong calls to action. Yeah, every video I do is to a lead magnet. Um, I also do confirmed opt-in. I'm not actually really that after as many leads. I, I'm more after the quality of them. And I, I one thing I love, like I don't actually view myself as that great of a marketer. You know, sometimes I go to these events and there's you know marketers that are so much smarter than I am. But I think what I'm really good at is creating content and and being able to add value to people. And I think when you add value to people's lives and you get that trust the marketing kind of takes care of itself. You know, like people, I've had people because of my YouTube channel, you know, I launch a product and they buy it and they say, Stefan, I, I, I didn't even care for the product. I don't even want to use it. I just bought it because I want to support you, you know, because you've added so much value to my life. So I think there's a layer of, of reciprocity that can happen there, but also people are being pre, pre-framed. They're being, um, you're, you're turning a, a cold lead into a warm and a hot lead. So by the time they opt in, and by the time they find out your product and service, it, it, you don't really need to have amazing copy. You don't have to have as amazing of an offer because of the relationship that you've already cultivated. So I think the quality of leads that you get, I'm always after that. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, no, agreed. This this 
world is so much easier than people make it out to be. I am very similar. I actually don't go to any of the big internet conferences. You know, Ryan Dice is a really good friend of mine here in Austin for the past 10 years. And I've never been to traffic and conversion because I don't want to get distracted and it's not that complicated. <laughs> so like you said, it, if you yeah. put out great content and you're just really good at communicating, if you know how to write a persuasive message or, you know, script for a video or whatever it may be, and you're genuine about it and you put out high quality stuff, that's all you need to do. And I think the most sophisticated I get is with, with a split test these days. That's all that's required really. So yeah, yeah, definitely agree there. When it comes to advertising revenue for your channel, which you mentioned a minute ago, I'm not interested in that really at all. I think that's kind of a cherry on top if you make it, but the business model there is just not really efficient. Do you, you think that YouTube will display your videos and promote your channel more often if you have ads turned on because that's what's making them money versus keeping them turned off? You know, I often think maybe the opposite, but that could be that. I mean, that could be a good point. That could be true. I personally think you'll get more views and engagement without ads turned on. I don't monetize every video, and oftentimes I turn off monetization if I've uh, if I'm already monetizing the video through like uh, a product I'm promoting as an affiliate sure. or something like that. So, yeah. so sometimes I'll turn it off initially, and especially so that that video can get more traction and more views, just because I think you know anytime you have you know, an ad that's going to pop up before the video, there's going to be a percentage of people that you're going to lose them right off the gate that could potentially be a, a great view for you that could, you know, move the needle with that video. I have a YouTube rep. So at a certain point, once you get to like, I think over 100,000 subscribers, Google gives you a YouTube rep. And this is someone that works with other YouTubers, and they help you grow your channel. And I've, I've learned a lot from working with this rep, because we'll get on calls and, you know, I'll ask questions and I'll give different feedback and ideas based on what the other YouTubers are doing. I know what the, the biggest factor is in what determines the biggest factor of what YouTube looks at to rank a video, to promote a video. And it's not really views. It's not subscribers. It's not likes or comments. It's watch time. Yeah, That's what, that's the biggest factor of what YouTube looks at. They have changed their algorithm over the years, but watch time is the most important thing because if somebody watches a video and they watch it to the end, you know, that's a, a good indicator for YouTube that that's a good quality video. Views, comments, subscribers, all those things, they do make a difference, but not as significantly as much as the watch time. So I, when I create my videos, I'm, I'm really thinking about how can I really engage with people so that they're going to watch it to the end and, and maybe take some sort of action in their life too, because I want to inspire people to act there's a lot of information out there online, but I think sometimes people get too much in this passive mode where they're just watching or consuming information, but they're not doing anything with it. I look at that as the biggest factor, but you know, who knows? Nobody really knows for sure. Maybe that is something that could definitely help. But I know a lot of YouTubers out there that don't monetize their videos with ads that have you know really big and great channels too. Yeah, that's interesting because I would prefer the same. I'd prefer not to have ads online because I don't want to distract away from you know this this piece of work that I've put out for my audience. But at the same time, I'm like, what incentive does YouTube have at that point to show it to more people? Because it's costing them money at that point, right? Let's just say from, from bandwidth, if nothing more than, you know, not including the, the revenue opportunity. So yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. If I were to ask you, Stefan, everybody listening right now, if we wanted to get involved in YouTube and build a channel up to, let's say, 
250,000 subscribers, what would you tell me to do? Yeah, well, I, at first I'd say don't necessarily make subscribers your goal because mm. how many subscribers you have doesn't doesn't matter that much as it used to. It's kind of like Facebook, you know. Remember when Facebook, you had a Facebook page and you had like 100,000 subscribers and you put out a post and a lot of those people are going to see it. Now you can have 100,000 subscribers on Facebook and you know, like the reach that you get is so bad because Facebook wants you to boost your post and promote it. And I've kind of found that to be the case with YouTube now too because I think maybe a year or two ago, YouTube changed it so that your subscribers don't get notified of your videos unless they click this bell button mm -hmm. to actually turn on the notification to actually get notified of your videos. So that that was a factor that a lot of people were unhappy with. But uh, it all you know, goes to show too that you know these platforms, you can't 100% depend on them as I see a lot of people do because you're at the mercy of YouTube, you're at the mercy of Facebook or Instagram or Google. So you can't fully depend on them for that. But I, I would say, you know, if you're just getting started, you want to build up a channel, you know, one, you got to identify the niche, the market that you want to publish videos on. You have to make sure there's a demand there for it. You know, YouTube is a search engine, just like Google. It's when, you know, the second, I think, largest search engine out there. So when you're first starting out, you're going to want to create videos, not based on what you think is going to be great or what you want to create, but you have to identify what people are searching for and create videos and content based on that. And I recommend when you're first starting out, because your YouTube channel doesn't have that much authority yet, you're going to have to probably create videos that are targeting more long tail keywords. So there's short tail and long tail keywords. Short tail keywords might be one, two, or three words. Long tail might be three, four, five, six, seven, more specific keyword phrases. So for example, short tail might be weight loss. Long tail keyword might be weight loss tips for men. So they're going to be a lot less competitive. It's going to give you more of an opportunity to get your videos viewed by people. And then just understand when you're first doing this, just like with anything, it's going to be slow. You're going to put out videos and no one's going to watch them. Or you're going to put all this time and effort into creating something that you think is going to be great, but you might have 10 people that watch it. And that could be a little bit discouraging for people. That's where I see most people, they, get, they, they give up. But you have to still believe and have faith in the process of this. I kind of use the analogy, it's kind of like planting seeds. That every video that you create, it's like you're planting a seed in the soil. And at first you come back, you know, a week after you plant it, you're not going to see anything, but you still have to be consistent to water it, to nurture it, to continue planting seeds. And as you're patient and as you're consistent and as you're taking good care of it, those seeds will eventually sprout and they'll blossom. They'll turn into, you know, great trees. And, and, and once you you know, go through that process. After you get to a point, I'd say where you get to maybe a thousand subscribers, things become so much easier and faster because now all of a sudden, every video that you put out, you have a core fan base of subscribers that are going to watch that video, which is going to give it a boost right off the gate. So for me now, because I've built my channel, every video that I put out will get a couple thousand views right away. Some will get 10,000 or 50,000 or 100,000 or more, uh, depending on the topic and how good the content is. And that will just boost the organic ranking for that video on YouTube. And then YouTube kind of takes care of the rest from there. So you have to be consistent. The more that you can produce, the better. You know, So if I could put out three videos a day, I definitely would. I remember that was one piece of advice that I got from a, a really top YouTuber. Make it your goal to do three videos a day. You know, I do three a week. Um, there was times where I was doing five in a week or, or more. But I, I, you know, I find that you got to find a number that you can commit to to make sure that you're going to stick with it because if you set something too crazy for yourself, 
and you don't stick with it, then you know you're not going to get anywhere. So as long as you identify what's, I, I recommend a minimum once a week, you know, not any less than that. But start from there. If you could do more than that, great. You got to promote your videos. You know, every video that I put out, I embed it on a blog post. I write an article with it that could be SEO optimized. I share it on all my social media platforms. I email it out to my email list. I try to collaborate with other YouTubers and influencers out there as well. So, you know, it's just the, the hustle initially that you have to get to that point of a thousand subscribers. And then I think from there, it does become significantly easier. And then sometimes you just have, you know, for me, if you look at my journey, there's been certain videos that I do that I've done that have just blown up. You know, I did this one video in 2012 sharing my morning ritual and that video blew up and really put me on the map. And I think the more consistent that you are with this and the more I guess, shit that you throw against the wall, something will stick. You'll have a video that will just do way, way more significantly better than every other video. And every once in a while, you'll have one of those and that will really make the biggest difference in your channel in growing it. So that's where the consistency comes in and just trust in the process. And that, for me, like that one video that got over 4 million views, that, you know, I probably got over 100,000 subscribers just from that one video. So I, you know, I wish I could always reproduce videos like that. It's not that easy. But you always just strive to do the best that you can, add value to people. And then sure enough, every once in a while, you have a video like that that just blows up and makes the biggest difference. Yeah, agreed. You know, same with the podcast. I've said this many times on the show here, but when I first started this and I talked to some friends in that world, they're like, don't don't bother unless you're willing to do a show at least once a week for three years. And I think the consistency here is a huge piece to this as well. And that's really why I've been spending weeks now contemplating everything that goes into this because I know if I want to do it, then I'm going to go in 100% to get the result out of it. And I know the work that that's going to take. So I don't think this is something you make a decision uh, you know, lightly about. But the part that I really enjoy about YouTube is the long tail. The ROI on a video, the tail on that return is so long. It's, in, it's you know, over the course of years. It's two, three, four, five years. That video is still getting views every single day, just you know, just like a podcast, but probably even more so. And that to me is a really worthwhile investment, as opposed to let's say Instagram or you know how Snapchat used to be, where your stuff disappears and it just people scroll scroll through it. It's got a twenty four hour lifespan and poof, it's gone. That really doesn't interest me very much. But but YouTube, on the other hand, I I can really see a lot of benefit in. So yeah. absolutely agreed. Yeah, like the, the video that I have, um, or, or because my channel gets over a million views a month, those million views aren't from my latest videos. It's it's the hundreds of videos that I published the years before that continue mm-hmm. to get views. And so that that's the cool aspect of it. I agree. I mean, you have those videos that rank, and you know, right now as we're talking, people are watching my videos. They're listening to your podcast as well, and you know, here we are having this conversation. So it has that that leverage and that scalability of it, which is really cool. I might be mistaken on this, but I thought I heard a year or two ago, YouTube stopped counting views from embedded videos. Is that the case? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because if I look at my analytics of a video, I can see where the views are coming from. So it will show me specific websites that the views are coming from, embeds, uh, shares on Facebook, etc. So it will give you all the analytics and stats. So I I don't see why it wouldn't. I, I believe it still does. Okay. Sure. All right, cool. And you're cranking out all of this great proprietary content. Obviously, there's a huge audience for it for you. 
are you leveraging that on Facebook as well? Because, you know, Facebook is pretty cool to you. They're all right with you if you'll put up great content, specifically video content, and not take people off of their platform, but you just post it there. Are you doing that as well and posting these same videos on your fan page? Yes, yes. We try to repurpose the content as much as we can. So I've got a great team that that helps me now where every video that we that I publish on YouTube, we turn it into a podcast. We uh, put it up on Facebook or Facebook fan page. We have different playlists there as well. Uh, we take clips of it and we create Instagram content from that, either in story form or on the feed. We uh, turn it into a blog post. So we try to repurpose as, as much as we can. I, I even have a team that will take specific quotes and phrases that I might say that could be inspiring quotes that we can use as Twitter content, Facebook content, Instagram content. So if I'm going to spend 30 minutes you know, creating a, a quality video, I want to I repurpose that as much as I can so that can reach as many people as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. I, I don't see why why you wouldn't do that, right? So that makes a lot of sense. When it comes to when it comes to YouTube again, I you know, success is always in the details. It's in the tiny little things like that, like repurposing, like having a call to action that are really important. Are there any parts of building out your YouTube presence that you think are those little tiny critical details? And an example of that might be either setting up the various playlists that you have or choosing the look and feel of the thumbnail, maybe the color of the font that you're using and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I I think when you look at what's going to make the biggest difference, your thumbnail, your headline, those are, you know, incredibly important. Um, the more that you optimize, optimize those and get really great at that, it's going to make a huge difference. You could have an amazing video and I have certain videos that are amazing, but I didn't, you know, choose a great headline for it. I didn't uh, choose a great thumbnail for it. And so sure enough, nobody really cared. No, not many people watched it. So headlines, thumbnails, very important. When it comes to ranking a video in YouTube, you want to make sure that the raw file name, meaning the file name you upload to YouTube has the keywords in it that you want to rank for. Uh, I recommend putting the keyword in the, the title of the video and also in the description at least three times. There's also a tag section where you can throw in different keywords a great tool that we use is called TubeBuddy. Uh, TubeBuddy is free. They do have different paid versions as well, but it's a, a browser extension that allows you to better optimize your videos. You can even split test your thumbnails or headlines. There's, there's a lot of cool features that it has for YouTubers. Uh, so TubeBuddy is great. Uh, let's see. You know, and I, I, you know, when I look at it at the end of the day, though, if you're to take the 80-20 of this, it comes down to just amazing quality content. And I, you know, I, I've done a lot of SEO. Like I, that's my second biggest medium of traffic is from Google, my articles and whatnot. And you know, a lot of people when it comes to SEO, they want to like manipulate the search engines. They want to manipulate YouTube, and they want to you know get these uh, low quality backlinks. And and there's a lot of that that kind of goes into it. But at the end of the day, what really matters is quality content. And if you just focus on improving that and making that the best you can possibly be and just master that craft, everything else will take care of itself. You know, people will like your videos, they'll share it, they'll subscribe. And so I always try to create that kind of reaction from people with my content. And I find, you know, I don't have to worry that much about all the other things I think other people worry about. You know, I I would say just put your focus in just trying to create quality content, make it better and better and better. And for me, my content is actually fairly long on YouTube. I remember a lot of people said, oh, you got to create videos that are five or 10 minutes long. No one's going to watch a video that's an hour long. And 
you know, for me, I, I believe the opposite. If I can get someone to be engaged for an hour with me on a video, then that's going to, the, not only the relationship and the quality of lead and the bond, the connection, the trust that's established there is powerful. Even if it gets a lot less views, that quality that we're, um, of relationship we're establishing is more powerful. But again, the watch time is someone's watching an hour long video of you and they're engaged with it. Then YouTube's going to reward you with it. That's why the most popular videos that I have are usually around four, uh, 30 minutes and longer. So yeah, that comes down to quality. Yeah. That's interesting. I actually had a conversation about that exact same thing last night with a producer who helps produce the videos for a bunch of really popular channels. And, you know, they're always shooting for videos that are five to 10 minutes long. And I was like, I don't really think that that matters. I'm more of a, along the same lines of you and Tim Ferriss, where if the quality of the content is phenomenal, the longer, the better. <laughs> so yeah, I, I tend to ap- agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially for me, I mean, my brand is mastery and for me, mastery is depth. It's not at the surface and I want to, you know, I really want to change people's lives and really help them. So I want to go deep with them as much as I can. So, um, I try to be raw, authentic, real, and I think that comes across and, 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 and it, uh, you know, makes a difference. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, uh, that's the key to long-term success. This is, again, this is really not hard. And if you'll do the right thing over an extended period of time, that's what most people are unwilling to do because they don't have the patience for it or they get greedy. Uh, but if you'll do that, then once you get to the top, man, you're just standing like, you, you know, yourself, 10 years of work, same with me. And everything is just effortless at that point because you've built this solid foundation that's really hard to compete against. And it's just built on value and honesty and integrity and Surprise, surprise, things get real, really easy <laughs> once you've uh, put yourself in that position. So, Very true. Yeah. Awesome. What else do we need to know about YouTube that I haven't asked you yet that I'm not aware of? You know, I would say, I, I, I imagine a lot of the people here that are listening to this right now, there's a lot of barriers that come up from people. And I think that's the thing with YouTube, there is maybe a, more of a higher barrier of entry. A lot of people, I think, they don't want to put themselves out there. They have some fear. They have some you know, maybe insecurity about how they look or how they sound or, or whatever the barrier might be. And I think it's maybe worth kind of addressing that as well. You know, for me, I think one thing that's important is whatever channel that you're going to create, you have to be passionate about the subject. You have to really enjoy it. You have to believe in it. I believe that a lot of it isn't necessarily what you say. It's how you say it's, you know, if if you're creating a, a YouTube channel, but you don't really believe in what you're sh- what you're sharing you're not passionate enthusiastic about it and that's going to come across you know it's not going to um it's not going to come across to your subscribers and your viewers and then also you're not going to stick with it you know you're not going to stick with it because you don't believe or enjoy the process of it i'll share with you like a, a mindset that i take on when i first started my youtube channel i didn't do it for money i did it because i wanted to number one better integrate what I was already learning in my life. Because I love self-development. I love learning all business, all these different aspects of life. And I think one of the best ways to really learn something and integrate in your life and to master it is to teach it, to share it. I think, you know, when I took uh, my approach was, I'm not necessarily the guru or the expert. I'm just someone on the journey that, the, you know, that's why I call it project life mastery. I'm on this journey and I'm learning as much as I can. And anything that benefits me in my life, I tend to have a passion for it. And I want to share that with other people. I think it's common for a lot of people. If you learn something or excited about something, you want to share that you want to share that with your friends your family, your, your life partner, whatever that might be. So 
for me, that that mindset has really served me throughout the years. I kind of view it as a, an, uh, you know, I get a lot of benefit from every video that I put out, regardless of if anyone watches it. Like if nobody watched my YouTube videos, I'd be, you know, I'd be fine with that because I'm still benefiting because I'm for, is forcing me to teach and share these things. That's really imp- adding a lot of value to my life because I have to live it more. I have to learn it better and apply it more to my life as well. So that's the kind of mindset and approach that I originally took from it. You know, I never try to be a perfectionist. I've got tons and tons of videos where, uh, you know, the audio quality was bad. I was out of focus. The lighting was bad. And, you know, you still have to overcome those different aspects of, you know, wanting everything to be perfect. I think oftentimes the more raw and authentic something is without great video production quality, the more people can relate to it as well. You know, I started off just with a little camera on a stack of books in my little apartment and I didn't have audio equipment. I didn't know how, you know, know much about video production, but you don't need to. And I think now today is easier than ever before because you can record videos on your, your phone. There's just so many more mediums that you can uh, start a YouTube channel with. So I think, you know, just taking the approach of doing it because you enjoy it, you love it. For me, it's always my number one focus and intent is to add value to people. Making money is always secondary. And if you, you know, sometimes if you compromise that, you're going to get in trouble. I'm, you know, I look at it a similar way with affiliate marketing too, that if I'm just promoting products just for the purpose of making money, well, if the product's not that great or, or whatever, it's going to come across to people that I'm not, I don't really believe in the product. And so I try to always make sure that I put my audience first. I'm trying to focus on meeting their needs. And in doing so, I think my needs get met simultaneously. I, I make money in the process of that. And I think having that commitment, that desire to help people to make a difference, I think that's the right mindset to approach this. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. I know I know when I had that epiphany, when I was just getting started, failed five years in a row, and it was all about just making enough money to pay my rent. <laughs> um, but ironically, as long as I had that attitude, I didn't make any money. And then when I finally let that go, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to teach whatever I I have available to me, even if it's nothing but the mistakes that I've made, at least that'll be valuable to somebody. That's when everything really flipped. And it just it just made a 180 very, very, very quickly. And before I knew it, you know, everything started working. Uh, it was really cool. I have to ask you on the subject, because this is a, a tough thing for people to deal with as well, if they're, especially if they're new to putting themselves in the spotlight. How do you handle the trolls? Because YouTube is infamous for uh, the, the troll culture here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're definitely going to get some of that. I, you know, I, number one, I look at it when you get trolls as an indicator of success. It's an indicator that you're on the right track. You know, So if you do get a troll, celebrate it. Be like, wow, that's so cool. I'm at a position now where I'm reaching enough people that I do have some people that don't agree with what I have to say or you know, whatever it is. I mean, that's kind of a, an indicator, I think, that you're on the right track because everybody who's successful, every YouTuber, but anyone throughout history, they've all been told that they're an idiot, they're... they're they're stupid, they're a loser or whatever it is, you know, whether it's Steve Jobs or Thomas Edison or anyone throughout history, they've all encountered that. So I look at it as, okay, I'm on the right track. So that's a good sign. I'm reaching people. That's great. I I think number two, understand that it it never has anything really to do with you. You know, people, they just project whatever they're feeling in the moment. They project their negativity, their insecurities. If someone's judging you, I can guarantee that they judge themselves much harsher. You know, so I try to always take this approach of having compassion for people, trying to understand 
you know, where they're coming from in their lives. I never take it personally. You know, also for me, I don't, at, at this point right now, I don't really look at comments that much. I have a team that moderates my comments and everything for me. I, I try to make sure that my YouTube channel is a positive place for everyone because, you know, we've all seen different YouTube videos or channels where it could be a great video, but then you scroll down to the comment section and people are fighting and arguing and calling each other names. And, you know, I don't personally want that to, to, to enter into my psyche. And I also don't want my subscribers and, you know, people to, that are watching consume my videos to get caught up in that either. So, you know, we try to make sure that there's, you know, those trolls or negative people, they, they aren't what, you know, they, they uh, get their comments. You can hide comments on YouTube. So it, it actually still shows for the person that posted the comment, but you can hide it. So no one else sees it. But yeah, I mean, you can, you can moderate that. Uh, you can have someone like a virtual assistant that can moderate that for you so that you don't get caught up and consumed by that. But also, you know, it's an opportunity for you to, to grow. And, and I think after times you, uh, you get numb to it. Like it doesn't really affect you that much. You know, when I was a dating coach, I used to take out guys to go out and meet women at a bar or a club. And, you know, most of them had a fear of rejection. And so I'd say, great, let's go get rejected 10 times tonight. And I would intentionally try to go out with them to get rejected. And sure enough, it's actually very hard to get rejected. And when you do get rejected, it's not really rejection. It's just the person's busy or they're not that interested or, or they've got a boyfriend or whatever it might be. But you realize, you come into a powerful realization that everything's still okay. You know, that the next day you're going to wake up, your life's going to go on, you're going to forget about them, they've already forgotten about you. And I think that's a powerful experience because the more that you just go through that, you, you, you become just more confident and comfortable with yourself where those things don't really affect or phase you that much. So everybody has to go through that process. But I think if you take a positive mentality and approach to it, you can learn from it, it can make you stronger, it can motivate you at times as well. I've had many times where it's motivated me to improve or do better. But that's just the price that comes with success. And it's, it's ultimately a, a good thing. It's a sign that you're on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm glad you, you talked about the, essentially the curation of your comments because I'm the same way. If someone wants to be a, an asshole, frankly, then that's their business. But I don't want that around me or you know, my audience. So it's just delete and block. And I've just, that's just how I've always handled things. Other people feel that it needs to be this wide open discussion. And I'm like, ah, they can go do that somewhere else. This is, uh, you know, this is essentially our, our room, if you will. And we're the same way. We want to have a really positive energy around that for everybody involved. And it's just a part of it, but that's good to know that you guys are, are fairly similar in how you handle that. Man, we've covered a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And just to comment on that too, you know, just not tolerating negativity, disrespect, abuse. You know, I, I, I have no tolerance for that. You yeah. know, if you're disrespecting or abusing myself or my team or, you know, my followers, subscribers, then, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to have a, a place uh, to consume my content. And I believe it's a, a privilege for me to reach people, but it's also a privilege for them to consume my content. And at any moment I can revoke that privilege. So you know, that's kind of how I view it. And, um, similar if, you know, if I had someone over at my house and they're being mean or disrespectful, I'm going to ask them to leave. You know, it's just, I, I don't have time to tolerate that. And I think, you know, part of the solution too, is just be so busy creating content, creating value that you don't, you don't even get caught up in it. You don't even have time to focus on that. You know, I try to put my head down, create as quality content as I can. And every once in a while, I look at the stats, analytics, the comments and whatnot, but you know, I just try to put my head down and create value. And I think, you know, 
that's the, the most important thing. And um, some people will like it, some people won't. And that's okay, as long as the majority of people are uh, enjoying it. And um, that's a sign that you're on the right track. You're not for everybody. You're for some people and those that uh, you are for, you want to put your focus and attention on serving them. Yeah, absolutely. So one other thing that we haven't talked about yet that I'd love to cover is your actual production process. So are you sitting down each week and are you thinking of three different topics maybe that you want to make videos about? And then are you creating, let's say, a one-page outline for each of those? What does it look like? Yeah, so I try to always create my videos in bulk. So I'll have a specific day every week or two and I'll set up my camera equipment, set up the lighting. I'll put myself in a great state and um, I'll record as many videos as I possibly can. Um, I think it's more efficient doing it that way because... One, you know, for me, I'm always traveling around, so it's it's can be time consuming to set up my cameras and set the lighting and the focus and make everything set up. But also, once you get into a flow state, everything just kind of comes out of you, and it's just so much easier to to create a second, a third, a fourth video once you've already created one. So I found that for me, that's the most efficient way of doing it. I have a specific process and ritual before I create a video. I talked before. I believe that the state that you're in is very important and how you say things, not necessarily what you say. I believe in speaking with confidence, passion, enthusiasm, uh, because it's contagious. It's infectious to the people that are consuming your content. So I have a ritual where I put myself in a, a great state. I try to get myself out of my head. So I'm not micromanaging things too much or analysis paralysis. The, you know, my thoughts are just kind of flowing, flowing out of me. And I ask myself certain questions. Some of the questions I ask myself is, you know, why is what I'm sharing important? You know, why do I care about the people that are consuming my content? They're watching my videos. How can I best serve them? What do I respect about them? And it asking these questions, they, they put me in a powerful state that, you know, allows me to communicate, I think, in a, a much more powerful way. And that comes across, I think, in the videos. So I put myself in a great state. For me, actually, I don't do much prep for my videos. I usually, the prep that I'll do is I'll figure out a, a, a a headline, a topic that I want to create a video on. Sometimes it's based on things that I'm learning in my life. Sometimes it's based on, you know, I had a conversation with someone or I'm coaching a client and something came up that I want to share in a video. Sometimes it's based on just seeing what's out there, what people are searching for and what's popular, what other people are doing on YouTube. And I, you know, get an idea of, I want to share my perspective and create a video on that as well. I always believe if you, if you don't have things to share or talk about, then you're not learning enough. And for me, that's always been a, a very important thing. Like I'm always reading books. I'm always going to seminars. I'm always immersing myself as much as I can so that I can grow to be the best that I can be. And I believe that the more that I grow, the more I have to give, the more I have to share. So usually for me, I, I don't have notes when I record. I do everything in one take. I don't edit my videos together that much. I try to make sure it's raw, authentic, real. I think there's different ways that you can go about it. I know some people, they chop up their videos and it's highly edited but for me, again, I, I'm after that connection. I'm after that 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 trust. I, I, and I think the more raw and authentic that I can be with my videos and content, that if I mess up, I can, can continue going with it. And I think that transparency makes a difference as well. The only videos that I actually really prepare for and I'll write out in Evernote is if I'm doing a video that's like five steps or five ways to do XYZ or 10 ways to do this. Then I usually have to write it out because I, I can't always necessarily remember it. But I just trust myself and just communicate and everything just kind of flows out of me. And then do you 
take the, is someone filming, you know, they're with you now? I know probably in the beginning that wasn't the case, but let's just say if you're starting out, do you take that footage and then let's say dump it into Dropbox and then send that off to an editor or are you doing all of the editing yourself as well? Yeah. So, uh, when I first started, I did all the editing myself. So just to back up, I, 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 it's usually just me and my camera. I use a DSLR camera. I travel around all the time. So it's just me setting that up. Some, I have a videographer as well. And sometimes I travel with that person or at certain locations, I'll, I'll work with them. He'll film uh, certain videos that I need done like that. But yeah, once I record the videos, I throw them up in Dropbox. I use Asana in my business. And so I'll create some Asana projects and tasks and I'll put in the title of the video. I'll put, you know, I'll, I'll provide the, the link for the video from Dropbox so that they can download and start editing it. I'll provide some notes on it. I'll provide, um, just kind of other, a few other details uh, for that video so that my team could then take it, put it up there, promote it, publish it, and pretty much take care of everything else for me. So when I first started, I was doing all that myself, but I found that the post-production process was so time-consuming that I could, if I could outsource that and get other people to handle that for me, then I could just focus more on creating more and more videos and content. So that, for me, has made a big difference at first, you, you probably are going to have to do a lot of that yourself. And, and that's a good way to learn because I think there's a lot of valuable skills that you gain from that. But eventually, you're going to want to delegate that to someone else so that they can take care of that for you. Absolutely. That is, that is not a good use of your time. You would be much better served working on your next video and recording that than, than editing your previous one without a doubt. Yeah. Very cool. That's, uh, that's really good to know. What's your camera of choice these days? Which DSLR are you using? So I use the Panasonic GH5. Yeah, that's what we have too. Yeah, so I, I think that's a great one. I use the Sennheiser Labs, wireless labs. And then I also have another camera, which is more I use for interviews. It's a, a Canon C300 Mark II. A lot more expensive. It's, I think, a $15,000, $20,000 camera, but it's more of a cinematic uh, camera that I've um, done different videos for. It's also really great for live streaming too. So I like to do some live streams on YouTube and set it up with an SDI output and connects to my computer and everything. So, but yeah, I mean, I do a lot on my iPhone too. I use the iPhone 10 and I'm always blown away just by the quality of those. And oftentimes when I'm doing vlogs or I'm out, you know, traveling around or out in public and I have an idea that I want to share, I'll just take out my iPhone and record a video like that. So I think you don't necessarily need to think that you need expensive camera equipment. You can just start with whatever you got and then as you make some money with it, then you can upgrade. Very cool. Very cool. And final question for you, just for fun here. Who is your favorite YouTuber to watch? Ooh, that's a good question. It's funny. I don't really watch that many YouTube videos lately. <laughs> <laughs> I watch a lot of sports stuff because I'm really into basketball. But, um, you know, certain influ uh, YouTubers that uh, influenced me throughout the years, uh, Elliot Hulse uh, was a, a great one. He's in the fitness niche like uh, uh, his brand's called Strength Camp. So I watched him a number of years ago. In the dating niche, I used to follow and watch uh, Real Social Dynamics. Let's see, who else? Good old Tyler. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't even remember. I don't watch that many videos that often. I try to spend most of my time creating content than consuming content. And when I do consume content, it's usually books, seminars, coaches, courses that I might go through. Very cool, very cool. 
Well, Stephen, this has been uh, this has been awesome, brother. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. You've given us just a ton of really great nuggets and filled in a lot of the big questions around YouTube that I know I've had, and I'm sure a lot of our audience has as well. So obviously, people can go to projectlifemastery.com to check out your blog and everything that you have there. And the YouTube channel, I'm assuming, is the same channel as well? Yep. Just check out Project Life Mastery on YouTube. Awesome. And is there anywhere else uh, where people should go to connect with you? Are you really active on Instagram or Twitter? Yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram primarily. Uh, Stephen James 23 is my handle. Twitter as well. Facebook. I've got a Facebook page. I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere. So uh, if you just go to my website, projectlifemastery.com, then you can find all my social media links there. Awesome, brother. Well, thank you again. This was fantastic. I really do appreciate it. And uh, guys, make sure you go plug into his work, subscribe to the YouTube channel, start watching what Stefan's doing and modeling that for yourself and your business. And um, he gave you the keys to the kingdom today. So thanks so much for listening as always. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Baby, 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 baby,